0: This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Good game at City Field right now. Bottom of the eighth. Mets trailing the Dodgers 4-3. to three. Mets had the early lead and then gave up three runs in the third inning to fall behind 3-1. to one, Came back to tie it at three and then the Dodgers went ahead in the top of the eighth inning against Joey Rodriguez. Excuse me, the seventh inning against Lee Rodriguez in the Mets bullpen. So they lead the Mets 4-3 to three right now. Yanks uh, on top of the Angels right now, 2-0. Uh, Yankees trying to snap this three-game slide against some of the worst teams in the American League. So lots to follow along right now. Um, really excited about this Mets-Dodgers series. If you've been following the game and following the anticipation and the lead-up to this game, uh, it is Timmy Trumpet night at Citi Field. And uh, for, for weeks now, one of my favorite anthems, not just in sports but in life, has become... Uh, the entrance music to uh, Edwin Diaz uh, at City Field. Uh, Timmy Trumpet and, and Edwin Diaz joined press conference earlier tonight. He threw out the first pitch, uh, and if and right now it doesn't look likely, unfortunately. Uh, but if Diaz happens to come into the game tonight, he's going to play the song live. So he's standing by. He's got the drum. In fact, apparently it's his first ever. Which I didn't realize this is his first ever. Major League Baseball game. And it's funny when you hear things like that. I remember, obviously, the most famous um, walk-in music outside of uh, the movie Major League with Charlie Sheen and Wilding. The most famous one that actually happened is Mariano Rivera and Metallica's Enter Sandman. And it always made me laugh. And on Mariano Rivera Day, when the Yankees honored him at the very end of his career, you know, Metallica was there. They played a live version of the song at Yankee Stadium before the game to honor Mo. Mo didn't know who the guys were, which is funny because it's one of the first things that you think of with Mariano Rivera. You hear Mariano Rivera, one of the first things that comes to mind is enter Salmon as Jeff McNeil flies out to right field to end the eighth inning. So the Mets going to the ninth, trailing four to three to the Dodgers. And it was funny because Mo didn't really have a relationship with the Metallica guys, uh, which was hilarious. And um, the the... Timmy Trumpet, who's exploded this year because of the Mets, because of Edwin Diaz, because of a baseball game and a baseball player, he's at his first baseball game tonight, and he's living it up. Like I said, he threw out the first pitch. He played um, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch on the trumpet, of course. So he's, he, he's having the time of his life there tonight. Uh, we'll see if it gets better and if it gets better for the Mets fans. Uh, like I said, trailing four to three going to the ninth inning. It it doesn't look likely, but we'll we'll see what happens there. And again, the Yankees on top of the Angels two to nothing now in the bottom of the second inning. Jamison Tyone on the mound for the Yanks after they lost the last two games of the series over the weekend to Oakland and then dropped the opener in Anaheim last night to the Angels. Another rough outing for Frankie Montaz. Jamison Tyone uh in the second inning right now for the Yanks. Uh, again, leading 2 nothing. Anthony Rizzo's got a home run for the second straight night. Yankees, I mean, he's one of a laundry list, a laundry list of guys that the Yankees need to get going. I mean, put it this way, and we'll talk more about the Yankees as we continue throughout the night, but put it this way. Right now, obviously Aaron Judge is your anchor. He's your number one guy in that lineup. He's the guy carrying so much of the weight as he has been doing all season long with his 50th home run last night. The last two weeks, the guy in that lineup, you got the second most amount of confidence in. At least the guy I have the second most amount of confidence in is Oswaldo Cabrera. It's unbelievable with former MVPs. There's two former MVPs in this Yankees lineup. And then Judge, who might actually be the MVP this season. But you have Josh Donaldson and you have Giancarlo Stanton, who just came back from injury. And we understand that in the lineup. And the likes of Rizzo and Glaber Torres, on and on and on. And the rookie playing his 12th game is the guy who you have the most confidence in right now outside of Aaron Judge. It's just one of many problems facing the Yankees right now. So we got those two things to keep an eye on. Again, Mets now into the top of the ninth inning. Michael Givens, who has, well, let's just say struggled since coming over at the trade deadline, is on to try to hold it right here at 4-3. to three and give the Mets a chance coming up in the bottom of the ninth inning. The big story, though, around here, uh, that you know that could affect, you know, well, those of us who consume the Knicks regularly throughout the season right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Excited for that to be coming down the pike in about a month and a half from now. Uh, over the last 24 hours, R.J. Barrett about to sign that rookie contract extension worth up to 120 million dollars and then simultaneously what it means or what it could mean for a potential Donovan Mitchell deal that we've kind of been waiting on all summer long and I've been asked point blank do you think Donovan Mitchell will be a nick and I've answered yes now take this for for what it's worth but when I'm asked that question I feel that I have to give an answer. It's either yes or no. Do I feel he'll be a Nick? Well, I feel there's more of a chance he will be a Nick on opening night or at some point this season than that he won't be. It doesn't mean I think it's a done deal. It doesn't mean that I think it's a sure thing. I'd put it at like 65, 35, 70, 30 that Donovan Mitchell will be a Nick. I mean, we've been following this for months. Ever since the Rudy Gobert trade was made from Utah, Uh, between Utah and Minnesota, right before free agency began. And once that happened, there is no conceivable reason for Donovan Mitchell to be on this Utah Jazz roster. Now, what do we know about this situation? Utah's president of basketball operations is Danny Ainge. He's been doing this a very long time as a former Celtic player, as a former Celtic executive, Uh, And just as a guy who has been very successful in this role, he likes to stick it to the Knicks. He likes to stick it to everybody. But especially, he's not going to roll over at this point in his career. And it's been a storied career for Range. You know, he won the championship with the Celtics in 2008. He broke that down. He took a chance on a little-known college coach with no NBA ties in Brad Stevens. And... He pulled off the trade with the Nets, with Kevin Garnett, and with Paul Pierce, and basically started over with the Celtics, and within three years, built that team back up to one that was in the conference finals three out of four years. Didn't get to the finals, didn't get over the hump until he officially left, but that was his team that he put together that played in the NBA finals last season, so it's been a storied career for Danny Ainge. And part of the story is not one of a guy who gets taken advantage of too often. So at this point in his career, he's not looking to do that. It doesn't make sense for Donovan Mitchell to be on the Jazz for this entire season. Now, that doesn't mean he can't start the season on Utah. You know, Utah actually still does have some players. The trade with, here's the problem with uh, the Knicks, and the jazz and this stalemate that we have going on right now about Donovan Mitchell. The problem is what Minnesota did in trying to acquire Rudy Gobert, trading five first-round draft picks, plus this past year's first-round draft pick, in addition to useful players like Patrick Beverly, who Utah just spun off to the Los Angeles Lakers. As Max Stasi hits a two-run home run for the Angels to tie the game at two in the bottom of the second inning after former Yankee Mike Ford singled to get on base. So there you go. There goes the Yankees' 2-0 lead. But back to the Knicks point. Once that trade was made for Gobert, and Minnesota's in an interesting position. They just sold the team. They're under new ownership, including Alex Rodriguez. New ownership always wants to make a splash. They went out and they hired Tim Connolly, who had been the director of basketball operations for the Denver Nuggets for the last decade or so, who's done a really good job. Anybody who can build the Nuggets up into a consistent contender in the Western Conference, consistent, which is what they've been over the last four or five years, barring injury, is really good at his job. They brought him in. He wants to make a splash. And Minnesota's a good team. And they felt they were a player away. Well, sometimes organizations have to overpay to take that next step. And that's what Tim Connolly was thinking. And that's what Tim Connolly was doing. Now, Minnesota was the only team that was willing to overpay for Rudy Gobert because they were the ones that coveted him the most, that most felt that they were the team that he could help put over the top. And maybe he will. Personally, I don't think he's going to make that big of a difference We don't have to get into the Minnesota Timberwolves playing rotations right now because I don't know how much of interest there will be in that. But when you already have an All-NBA center in Carl Anthony Towns and you bring in another multiple-time All-NBA center in Rudy Gobert, I'm curious to see how they're going to fit together. But that's not the point. The point is they felt that this was the guy to take them over the top, and they overpaid. Six first-round picks plus useful players. Jared Vanderbilt, um, Malik Beasley. Um Patrick Beverly. Those are rotation players for an NBA playoff team. The haul that Danny Ainge got was it was absurd. I mean, you tip your hat to Ainge, you say, good for you, you did a terrific job unloading a guy who you probably wanted to get rid of anyway, and Gobert, because I think that Gobert Donovan Mitchell tandem had run its course in Salt Lake City. So they were looking to unload him anyway. And of course you make that move for what they got. But that doesn't mean that that's the new market. And that's, look, if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm holding my line right now and saying, well, look, this is what I got for Gobert. Mitchell's actually better than Gobert. So therefore, I need more for Mitchell than I got for Gobert. If I'm Ainge, I do the same thing. But that doesn't mean that Leon Rose has to play by those rules. Or Kobe Altman in Cleveland has to play by those rules. Or anybody else has to play by those rules. So that's where we are right now. Now, Utah doesn't have to make this move before the start of the season. Because of those pros that they got, you know, they have still NBA players. They have, first of all, Mitchell still on the team. If the season starts, you know, tomorrow, Donovan Mitchell's on the team. If Mitchell's on the team, then they're not a tanking team. So once they start to win some games, you know, you always think about the teams that want to break it all the way down and, those, and, and the teams that don't necessarily, that, that, that don't want to win. And there's this unbelievable prospect, surefire number one pick, Wembayama out of France, who several teams are already angling to tank for next season. And who are those teams? It's The San Antonio Spurs are certainly one of those teams. If the Utah Jazz get rid of Donovan Mitchell, they become one of those teams, but they're not one of those teams right now. The Orlando Magic could be one of those teams. Maybe even the Detroit Pistons could be one of those teams. But the Jazz haven't declared themselves as one of those teams right now, so they don't need to trade Mitchell before the end of the season. Now, if Ainge wants to go all in for this guy and increase his odds as much as he possibly can to get that number one pick, well, then the pressure's gonna be on Ainge. But right now, right now on the 30th of August, more than a month and a half before the start of the NBA regular season, the pressure is not yet on Danny Ainge, and he knows it. And that is why we have this stalemate right now. Ainge wants a certain package. Leon Rose wants to give a different package. And we'll see who blinks first. It's it's as simple as that. It's negotiating that has been going on for centuries is where we are right now. Not always over NBA personnel, but it's the same basic principle. What are you hearing? You're hearing that the Knicks want to offer two unprotected first-round picks plus three additional protected first-round picks plus... Young players, probably two of the crop of young players. And and for, for months, my stance has been this. Give them five first-round picks. We'll figure out the protections, but let's just start there with five first-round picks. Okay? Actually, for, I, excuse me. For months, I was saying four first-round picks. Okay? Give them four first-round picks. Give them Evan Fournier, because you need to unload Fournier's salary to make the money work with Donovan Mitchell's salary, plus Mitchell is going to take Fournier's spot in the starting lineup. And then you basically allow Utah to have their pick of anybody else on the roster except for R.J. Barrett. And that became official now with this contract extension. They can't take on R.J. Barrett. So that's the big uh, development within the last 24 hours. Now, I had said all along, you don't want to trade R.J. Barrett and... I don't think that Utah ever wanted Barrett because that would go against what they're trying to do. At some point, whether it was going to be this offseason or next offseason, R.J. Barrett was going to get paid. And that doesn't fit in with what Utah's trying to do. They're trying to break down and build up not around R.J. Barrett making $30 million a year, which is what he's about to start making with this rookie extension. So I don't think Barrett was ever on the table. So I don't think the Barrett contract extension, that means something else. That's something else significant for the Knicks that we'll get into. But I don't think that weighs heavily on this potential trade between the Knicks and the Utah Jazz for Donovan Mitchell. I don't. It's coincidental that it happened yesterday. I don't mind the move of Leon Rose going forward and locking him up because I do think it's a significant move for where the franchise is right now, and we'll get into that as we continue here this evening. But I don't think it really moves the needle one way or another on Donovan Mitchell. Now, here's what I think. We'll get to your calls coming up, 1-800-919-3776, 1-800-919-ESPN. As the Mets have gone to the bottom of the ninth, trailing four to three. So Michael Givens did his job at the top of the ninth, holding it right there. Andrew Benatendi up for the Yankees with a runner on top of the third inning. Yanks and Angels are tied at two. I think the Knicks are in a good position no matter what happens with Donovan Mitchell. Now, one situation is certainly better than the other. But I think the Knicks are in a good situation either way. So whereas right now the pressure is not on Utah to make a move, Right now, the pressure is also not on the Knicks to make a move. But eventually, I think they will. And eventually, I think it's the right thing to do. The biggest question right now, at what cost? It's Pat O'Keefe with you on a Tuesday night following along the Yanks out west. The Mets against the Dodgers. City Field, two best teams in Major League Baseball in the bottom of the ninth inning under a steady stream of rain at City Field right now. And your calls when we continue. one 800 on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Getting real interesting at City Field in the bottom of the ninth. Mets trailing by a run. Eduardo Escobar a leadoff single in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach on pinch hitting. And as I say that, Vogelbach grounds into a double play to eliminate the leadoff base runner. So the Mets are now one out away from losing the opener of this three-game series to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yankees uh, have something cooking in the top of the third inning. couple of runners on and one out with Stanton at the plate. Uh, Jamison Tyone got hit in the wrist, his left wrist, In the bottom of the second inning, he finished the inning, uh, but Greg Weissert, the kid out of Fordham, who had a really rough debut and then bounced back with a really nice performance on Sunday in Oakland. He's warming up in the bullpen right now, Uh, so we'll see if Weissert replaces Tyone or if Tyone is able to continue. Whether he continues or not, the good news is it was his left wrist and not his pitching wrist, Uh, but we'll see if Tyone comes back out for the bottom of the third inning. And then, of course, the the Knicks news, all of the Knicks news. R.J. Barrett signing his contract extension or agreeing to his rookie contract extension. And then still the possibility of the Knicks pulling off a trade and bringing Donovan Mitchell back to New York, his hometown, and to Madison Square Garden. We'll get to your calls, 1-800-919-3776. And we'll start things off this evening with Alex and Westbury. Alex, how you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good, Pat. I'm doing good, Pat. Thanks for taking the call.
0: No Um, problem. What's going on?
1: I just want to get your thoughts on this, actually. Um, Since the Jazz aren't budging, and Danny Ainge is going to, like you said before, he wants to stick to the Knicks. How do you think about switching gears
2: to training for a
1: shy Gilgis-Alexander? Because on paper, they have very comparable stats.
0: They do. I actually like Gilgis-Alexander the young point guard for Oklahoma City. I actually like him better than Mitchell. Look, Mitchell's a limited player. Gilgis Alexander was a late lottery pick. So was Mitchell, by the way, who I think has overperformed first in Los Angeles and now in Oklahoma City. I just don't think, Alex, that Sam Presti, and, and you talk about general managers or presidents of basketball operations who don't like to lose trades or don't like to get taken advantage of. The two names you always hear are Danny Ainge and Sam Presti in Oklahoma City? So I think it would be kind of the same thing. The difference is Oklahoma City is already past there, breaking everything down and starting to build back up, where Utah is just entering that. So I don't think that the Thunder would be as inclined to trade Gilgis Alexander as the Jazz are to trade Donovan Mitchell. Got it. I appreciate the take, Pat. Thanks for the call, Alex. And, and and it's just a matter of timing. Now, Gilgis Alexander is on a max contract. He's under contract, let me see, for the next five years. So his rookie extension is just kicking in. He's due he's gonna make an average salary. The Mets, by the way, lost four to three uh, they went down one, two, three with that double play in the ninth inning. Uh, so the Dodgers take the opener of that three game. Good game though. Good game at City field, Taiwan Walker. Ran into trouble in one inning, in the third, and he almost got out of it too. The Dodgers had second and third on with nobody out, and then Walker got the next two guys, including a weak pop up by Freddie Freeman to third base, but then a walk to load the bases, and then they hit Joey Gallo, and then a two-run single by Gavin Lux, and all of a sudden it was three to one. Other than that one inning, solid performance by Taiwan Walker, uh, but the Mets do lose four to three. But back to the Knicks and uh, the Gil Gilgis Alexander. I don't think that Oklahoma City is inclined to trade him right now. You know, they've laid the groundwork for what they hope is the future of their franchise with Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, the rookie out of Australia, who was really good last season, and then they got the bad news over the weekend that Chet Holmgren has this Liz Frank fracture and is going to be out for the season. But he is the third kind of building block for the future of that franchise. And then they still have a million assets and a million draft picks and and, and so much capital to go out and make a big move if and when they feel the time is right. But Gilgis Alexander's contract is just kicking in. They've already done their teardown thing. I mean, don't forget, this is a team that three years ago had Carmelo Anthony, and I'm working my way up when I say this, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I mean, six years ago, they had Kevin Durant on their team. You know, Durant leaves, we know. They took a step back with Westbrook only, and then they brought in Paul George, and then they brought in Carmelo Anthony, and that didn't work out. And then they spun off George to the Clippers. They spun off Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets, and that was the beginning of their breakdown. And they still have all of those draft picks and all of that capital to work with. The Jazz are in a different place. And our last caller, Alex, yes, he said that the Jazz aren't budging. They're not budging now, okay? You have to understand the timeline of the NBA offseason. And the Mets lead over the Braves right now with the loss is now two and a half games, two games in the loss column after their 4-3 loss to the Dodgers. The timeline of the offseason is there is a... A dead period. And we're in the middle of it. Now, we're about to come out of the dead period. Which is why the Knicks just signed Barrett to this rookie extension. Which is why you're starting to hear the Donovan Mitchell trade talks start to ramp up again. As the Yankees take a 4-2 to lead on a two-run throwing error uh, by the Angels. So, the Yankees getting a huge break there. A weak ground ball by Josh Donaldson leads to a two-run throwing error. Uh, with the bases loaded, I shouldn't say a weak ground ball. That's a not fair statement to make. But uh, it was a two-run – it was a one-run throwing error nonetheless. It would have been an RBI ground out by Josh Donaldson. Bottom line is the Yankees lead the Angels now by a score of 4-2. to two. But the, the NBA offseason, obviously – The finals, the playoffs, into the finals. And then less than a week after the finals, you've got the NBA draft. And then less than a week after the NBA draft or about a week after the NBA draft, boom, is the start of NBA free agency. And the first three or four days are absolutely frantic. The first week is very busy. It tails off in the second week, but still somewhat active. And by mid to late July, everything kind of cools down. Everything really starts to simmer. So if you don't get something done before that mid to late July period, doesn't mean that it's done. It just means that look, these executives, they need to take vacations too. They need to take time away from the office. They have families. They need to refresh. It is a high, intense, pressure-filled job. Like all of us, they need time away. They're not doing it during the season. They're not doing it during free agency. They're not doing it leading up to the draft. Most of them aren't doing it during the NBA playoffs, and – none of them are doing it during the NBA playoffs because those that aren't in the playoffs are preparing for the draft and preparing for free agency. So really the only time is mid to late July until now. You know, they're all back now. Things are starting to ramp up again. We're about three weeks away from the start of training camp. So that's why nothing has happened with Mitchell since it seemed inevitable in the middle of July because this is what happens in the NBA every offseason. But now they're back. Danny Ainge is a scratch golfer. I'm sure he was playing a lot of golf in Salt Lake City and other parts over the last month. Instead of being on the phone with Leon Rose. He knew that Rose is going to be there when he comes back. And guess what? Leon Rose is there. But the bottom line for the Knicks is this. If they do nothing and they go into the season... With their current roster, they should be a playoff team. Not even a playing team. They should be a playoff team. They're a better team, a much better team, than they were last season. They're more in line with who they were two years ago. Now, the biggest key for the Knicks, if you look up and down this starting five right now, which right now is Brunson and Fournier, Barrett, Randall, and Mitchell Robinson. The biggest key is Julius Randle. When you look at the Knicks at this moment and you ask, what are they going to be in 2022, 2023? You have to ask, is Randle going to be the Randle of two years ago or is he going to be the Julius Randle of last year? And I don't think he's going to be either one of those guys, but he's going to be closer to one than the other. And it's paramount for the Knicks' success for Randall to be closer to the guy he was two years ago. And I think if nothing else, even if they decide to take themselves out of the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, which I don't think they'll do, but if this is the roster that they go in to the start of the season with on October 19th in Memphis against John Morant and the Grizzlies, if this is the roster, I think Randall is closer to the guy He was two years ago because of the presence of Jalen Brunson. Brunson's presence on this team is going to help Randall's game in many ways. And the most important way is because Brunson's here, Randall doesn't have to do so much. Randall had to do everything two years ago and last year. And last year, he tried to do more than he did two years ago. And we see it all the time in professional sports. When you try too hard, oftentimes you are not successful or as successful. And that's what happened last year to Julius Randle. Now, an update on the Yankees. They do lead 4-2 to two now in the bottom of the third inning. And Jamison Tyone did leave the game after the bottom of the second after being hit with a line drive in his left wrist. So Greg Weissert is on his third major league appearance and the Yankees uh, leading four to two. So Weissert could be in line for his first major league win tonight. We'll keep an eye on that for the Long Island kid out of Fordham University. Let's go to James on Long Island. Speaking of Long Island, James, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks.
1: All right. First, I want to start off with, let's not forget Frank Nilekino over Donovan Mitchell.
0: Yeah, I know. That's who we drafted.
1: I'm, 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 I'm going to get to that. <laughs> and then somebody says Shane Alexander, Kevin Knox over Shane um, Alexander. That's who we took over these two players. I want to just start off with that. But then I want to say Donovan Mitchell, at best, is going to get the Knicks an A.C. and bounce out of the first round. So I don't understand why everybody's going crazy. We went crazy with Carmelo Anthony, got rid of all of our picks, and where did that end us? What did that get us? Carmelo Anthony brought us a one playoff victory. And it's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell because we're still not better than none of those teams in the East. And then you want to get rid of everybody. We got to keep players. I mean, the last person that we gave an extension to was Charlie Ward. That was 1999. So why are we going to keep drafting players and getting rid of them? We well, got hold to start on.
0: Build in-house. Uh, James, I think you're underselling the Knicks with Mitchell here by saying that they're an eight seed. I think they're an eight seed now without Donovan Mitchell. But let me ask you this. If you think the Knicks are just an eight seed that's going to get bounced in the first round, if you think that's who they are with Mitchell, then what do you think they are right now? They're not that. Remember, we, we made the
1: eighth seed. I mean, remember, we made the playoffs, and we got bounced by Atlanta. Right now, the Knicks with Donovan Mitchell won't be better than Atlanta. They won't be better than the Bucks, Austin, uh, maybe Chicago they might be better than. They're not better than Philly. They're not better than Brooklyn with Donovan Mitchell, and then you want a clean house to bring them. Who's he going to play with? Why do you think Kevin Durant's still on Brooklyn? Because you clean house and bring Kevin Durant, who's he going to play with? We're talking about Donovan Mitchell like he's LeBron James. He's not a LeBron James. I mean, think about it. What, what has he done in Utah? Utah had a better team than the Knicks, and they've been getting bumped. They was up 3-1 and lost to a Denver team, and last year, Luka didn't play, and they lost. They lost to a guy we have on our team now. So let's not go crazy over Donovan Mitchell. And, yeah, but listen James, you,
0: you can't approach this. You you can't approach team building as it's either championship or you might as well stay put. You know, there there's got you've gotta you've gotta recognize that there's some middle ground here. Don't you want your team to get better? Don't do you know if better. you bring if you bring Mitchell in, do you know what that could lead to the following off Because I don't if we bring Mitchell in. If we bring Mitchell in, he's gonna help us sell more tickets. It's
1: going to be more exciting, more dunks. And you know what's going to happen? In two years, he's going to be acting like Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden saying trading because the Knicks are not winning.
0: You don't know you cannot
1: that. you clean house, I know that for a fact. You cannot clean. I'm a Knicks fan since 1990. I had my heart broken plenty of years by Michael Jordan. Okay? You cannot clean house and get this guy. And then in two, three years when they're losing because they have nobody there, he's going to be
0: crying to trade me. Well, listen, giving up – first of all, you got 11 first-round picks or 11, 10 first-round picks or whatever the number is, all right? Giving up four of them plus Obi Toppin and and, and Quinton Grimes, that's not cleaning house. You know, what the Knicks did in, in 2011 with the Carmelo trade was cleaning house, and they never should have done that. But this, this isn't cleaning house. You know, you're not giving up um, – You know, Raymond Felton and Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler and a bunch of first round picks like you did then. This is different. You're just giving up, you're just giving up picks. And you got to go through, and I'm going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll do this exercise. What have the Knicks done with their picks? All right. So, everybody who's afraid of getting rid of these picks and these are so valuable and we need to keep these and build around these picks. And our last caller wisely alluded to it. If the Knicks just picked Mitchell instead of Frank Nilekina, they wouldn't be in this position. If they picked Shea Gilgis-Alexander instead of Kevin Knox, they wouldn't be in this position. But when you look at what the Knicks have done with their draft picks over the last 20 years, then I don't think you should feel that the draft picks are that invaluable. one 800 919 More on this. Uh, Mets lose to the Dodgers 4-3. Yankees on top of the Angels 4-2, bottom of the third. But they've already lost Jamison Tyone to a wrist injury on his non-pitching hand. It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. According to reports, Leon Rose and the Knicks have not wanted to offer more than two unprotected first-round picks. Now, all along, I was saying, all right. Four picks plus Evan Fournier plus any other two guys on the roster not named R.J. Barrett. You would probably love for them to take Julius Randle off of your hands, but that's not going to happen. But you would leave him available should they want him. But it makes sense. You know, you look at the – there's a group of four Knicks that are the most attractive to a team in Utah's position. And – It's Cam Reddish and um, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quinton Grimes. And I've said this all along. From the Knicks perspective, the two guys who I would least want to part with are Toppin and Grimes. So that means that if I were Utah, those are the two that I would go after. If if I was the one making the decision, I think Toppin and Grimes, I think Grimes is going to be the best out of all of them. Grimes, we didn't see a lot of this year. By the time he did get into the rotation, I think a lot of people had already kind of tuned the Knicks out because they got off to that disappointing start. But once Grimes got into the rotation, the middle part of the season, his shooting ability, his size, and his defense, Grimes is going to be a good player if he could stay healthy. He had some injury issues his rookie season. Toppin showed at the end of the year that he has potential that we thought he did. We still don't know what he can be. But you also, if Julius Randle's on this team, Toppin's not going to be able to be that guy. Toppin was able to play like that his last 10 games, hitting 30 points and 40 points and career highs down the stretch of the season. He was able to do that because Randle didn't play the last however many games of the season. So they were able to throw Toppin out there for 35 to 40 minutes. But there's the old adage in baseball that holds true to basketball or any other sport, don't judge a player by what he does in March or September. You know, how many times in Major League Baseball have you seen the September call-up come up and the games are not pressure-filled? Your team's not in a pennant race. They're kind of playing out the strings. So he just has the opportunity to go into the lineup, take his cuts, and try to make a good impression. And when that pressure is off in September... It makes it a lot easier to perform. That was the situation for Obi Toppin last year. There was no pressure in those games. The Knicks weren't playing for anything record-wise. They were out of the playoffs. They were out of the playoff hunt. They weren't even in the play-in hunt late in the season. Let's see him do it at the beginning of this season. Let's see him do it over a course of 20 games. We'll see. That would be great. But my point is the potential for Obi Toppin is still there. If I was Utah, I would want Toppin and Grimes... Fournier, who you have to include to make the money matchup. And then it just comes down to the draft picks. And like I said, according to reports, Utah wants four unprotected first-round picks, and the Knicks want to give them two. Well, it it sounds very simple to me. Utah wants four, and the Knicks want two. Give them three. It's right there in the middle. Give them three unprotected first-round picks, two more protected first-round picks, and then move along. And then let's do this. That's the reasonable price in my mind right now. Let's go to Murr in Winfield Park here on 98.7 ESPN New York with Pat O'Keefe. Murr, how you doing? Do we have Murr?
2: Are you? Mer, what's going on tonight? Uh-huh. How you doing? All right, good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I think the, the game is played so differently. I hear a couple of callers today talking about size. And, you know, nobody plays back to the basket anymore. Um, James talking about you don't want to clear a house, but we're really not clearing a house. I would hate to give up Grimes, like you said. But what have we done with our draft picks? He even called out how we missed out on players. And then the years that we do have a chance to project it to get the number one overall pick, we got the third. Um, The Steph Curry draft, we're one behind getting Curry. It it seems like we always either just miss out on a player or we don't pick the right player. So give them the picks and let's get a proven player. And like you said, you're not going to jump to a championship. You know, there's better teams out there, but – it's going to be a better brand of basketball to watch, and it's a building
0: block. Just get better. Get incrementally better, Murrin. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Think about two years ago, all right? And it's really the only thing we can go by. I know you don't want to make too much out of a first-round series in which you lost in five games despite having home court advantage, but think about just the excitement of the whole season. And there were no fans in the building until the playoffs. That entire Knicks season, the most exciting one since 2013. And we had a caller earlier say, what did Carmelo Anthony ever get the Knicks? What did Carmelo Anthony ever get the Knicks? They went to the playoffs three straight times. They got the second seed one year. They made it to the second round of the playoffs that year while winning 54 games. And they had home court advantage in that second round playoff series. Now, they couldn't close the deal against Indiana. And that was disappointing. But you can't rewrite history and say, oh, what did the Carmelo Anthony trade get them? That's what it got them. And in this century of Knicks basketball, unfortunately, that's a lot. Is this 51? Number 51. My goodness, he's 10 away. 51 home runs now for Aaron judge. This is a three run home run over the right center field fence, 378 feet. So he's on one of these tears again, where he seems like he hits a home run every night. So they put the chasing history, uh, graphic up through 130 games. Roger Maris had 51 home runs and now Aaron judge has 51 home runs. So he's 10 away from tying the Yankees and American league record And he's 11 away from breaking it, and it's still August 30th. They have a month and change to go. And more importantly for the Yankees, they've got seven runs on the board right now and lead the Angels 7-2. to
1: This this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.